Welcome to the Fallen Star Sidebar, a Hollyweird podcast production. Welcome to Hollyweird, a podcast about celebrity deaths and the strange events in Tinseltown and beyond. We are your hosts, Megan Carpenter and Liz Shire. This is the Fallen Star Sidebar, a shorter, more digestible, more tangential story about something that went down with someone famous. This episode is the wrap-up to our Drop Dead Gorgeous series in which we examine the losses of Hollywood heartthrobs. There are even more hotties to be had, so here we go. Okay, Uh, first hottie for this dead hottie cherry on top, drumroll. Lee Thompson Young. Oh, he's a famous Jet Jackson. <laughs> That's who. The famous Jet Jackson. So, okay. So, <laughs> um, you, you picked all of our... I don't want to call them, like, ancillary hotties. What... <laughs> <laughs> Here's the issue. Hodgepodge hotties. That's good. Hodgepodge hotties. Hodgepodge hotties. Here, <laughs> here is how it went down. I kept pushing for very specific, clearly individuals that like uh, shined through my like prepubescent like crush past. And Megan was like, I think we should do these more recognizable names that people will be more likely to want to know about. And I was like, but, 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 but. <laughs> so like, are we going? I mean. Um, I think Lee Thompson Young's story is very important and we'll get there, but like, who are we going to be able to talk about for an hour? Jed Jackson or Heath Fletcher? This is, so, you know, this is why we, we have, have a partnership. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have done is we have collected this hodgepodge of hotties um, with their own tra- tragic stories and have collected them here for a conversation. But um, the unique and common thread is these were all um, hand-picked selections from Liz. Uh, so, Liz, why Lee Thompson Young? Lee Thompson Young, star of the famous Jet Jackson. Um, I just always remember him being so attractive growing up watching the Disney Channel and watching the famous Jet Jackson. I'll be very honest, I don't quite remember what the show was about. There was, like, crime fight, whatever. Picked him because he is very attractive, and I remember... When he died by suicide, his death was very sad, and it really, it really hit me hard, and I really still couldn't believe that he, <sighs> that happened to him. So, uh, he's perhaps a generational pick. Um, are we, I mean, we're millennials, are we elder millennials? Are we middle age, middle aged millennials? <laughs> what, what, what range on the millennial spectrum do we fall? Well, you know, Meg, I would say that we're, I think millennials are people who can remember the 90s, and we were quite young in the 90s, so I would say that we're, like, the bottom end. However, downloading downloading TikTok makes me feel like I'm fucking ancient, so I really can't even tell you. Yes. So, one place you cannot find me is TikTok. So, (laughs) So maybe I'm older than I think I am. All right. um, So, Lee Thompson Young was an American actor best remembered for his adolescent role as the title character uh, on the Disney Channel series The Famous Jet Jackson, which ran from 1998 to 2001. Um, So we were like elementary school, right? Yes. Um, He also was in the Friday Night Lights 
movie, um, mm. which came before the Kyle Chandler TV show. Um, but then he successfully uh, grew past being a child star, um, and his last starring role as an adult um, was playing police detective Barry Frost on the TNT drama Rizzolian Isles, which is a favorite of my dad. <laughs> he loved that show. <laughs> I never watched it. Um, um, I call it like a dentist office show. Like when you're waiting in the dentist's <laughs> office and they have TNT on, you're like, yeah, oh, okay, well, I got to go <laughs> get a cavity filled. So Famous Joe Jackson was about... <laughs> I watched, so I didn't, I watched the um, opening credits for Jet Jackson and um, they're on YouTube and the best opening credits are when it tells you exactly what the show's about. It's like, hey, I'm Jet Jackson. I'm just an average kid, but I also am on a TV show and I want them to move the TV show back to my hometown so I could be famous and a star and a kid. Silverstone. The ultimate action hero. Top agent for a secret organization. Saving the world one mission at a time. At least that's who I play on TV. In real life, I'm Jet Jackson. Being a TV star is cool, but being a regular kid is even better. So I had the show moved back to my hometown, Willstead, North Carolina. Now, I can hang with my friends, which is great. And the best part of all, I get to spend a lot more time with my family. Hey, I'm just trying to live my life as a normal kid, but some people still see me as the famous Jet Jackson. That's exactly what it's like. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought he, like, fought crime. On the TV show. Oh. <laughs> but he's just a normal kid, and don't you forget it. Oh. <laughs> my so, God. Okay. So it was a TV show, but then I, didn't they make, like, the movie, like, the, it was, or, like maybe the send-off was, like, a movie... Because they had all those Disney Channel original movies, you know? Right. But anyway, so he was um, a child star, uh, prominent during our youth, and then also grew up and was a successful television actor still. Um, On August 19th of 2013, Lee Thompson Young did not show up to film an episode of Rizzolian Isles. Uh, police were called to do a wellness check on him, and when they um, visited his L.A. apartment, he was found dead. His manager stated that he had committed suicide, and police confirmed the cause of death to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, he had mental health struggles, previously being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, and he was on medication for that, but had been suffering from depression shortly before his death. Um, so his manner of death was suicide, uh, after a battle with mental health struggles, um, which is sad. Really sad. Um, he had a lot going for him. As we mentioned, he had a steady career. Um, he was also, uh, on that, do you remember Johnny Tsunami? (gasps) Of course I remember Johnny Tsunami. (laughs) Yeah, he was on that, um, He was 29 years old at the time of his death, so um, while that's certainly a grown-up actor, he was still a young guy, um, which is sad. I remember him just being so cute and so handsome, and he had the best eyes. I just thought they were so dreamy. They were like a beautiful amber color. I just thought he was 
so delicious looking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, what you don't know is that uh, Megan kindly put pictures of our hotties in the Google Doc for me, I guess. (laughs) Um, And he does have, like, beautiful brown eyes. It's just, like, it's really, really sad. I just remember, like, loving the show as a kid and then finding that out as a, you know, a dark turn for anybody. But on top of that, like, to have those memories and then know that happened to somebody. It's so, so really sad. Yeah. I feel like, not that I think about them on the regular, but, I mean, I guess actually now that I've gotten um, Disney+, Plus, I do think about Disney Channel original movies on the regular. Uh, <laughs> but, like, do you feel like knowing um, about his personal struggles and, and the way um, his life ended, do you think that that has, like, dampened any childhood memories for you? Or is it a separation of church and state? <laughs> what a great way to put it. No, it doesn't change, like, the memories I have watching the show or, like, or Disney Channel or, you, you know. No. Because, like, you know, it happened, it probably, it actually, it does make it weird to watch Rizzoli and Isles and be like, oh, my God, kill himself. Like, Jesus. Yeah. That's right. I should ask my, I should ask my dad if that's weird for him. <laughs> <laughs> we should, why don't we do, like, a crank yankers and call him? <laughs> Can you tell me about Rizzoli and Isles then? I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on here. So something very important um, when we're speaking about childhood memories in Disney+, Plus, uh, the show The Famous Jet Jackson, season two, episode eight, called Ghost Dance, starred none other than the legendary Britney Spears. Shut up. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Yes, I have this distinct... Okay, so um, my mom listens to every episode. My mom kept... <laughs> we had a laundry room. And there are six people in my family. It's a ton of laundry to do, like, every day. So she had a TV in the laundry room that she would watch, and she was, like, folding and ironing, so she didn't have to, like, cart it out in the middle of the living room. So the rule was I was allowed to watch TV if I was in there doing ironing and folding. So, like, I would <laughs> – I started doing that when I was 11, and I pretty much did it all through high school, and it was great. Um, and now I guess that's why I like to iron so much. But I distinctly <laughs> remember being in the laundry room – and, like, folding something and watching this episode, which I don't quite remember the plot, but Britney Spears is definitely, she was, like, in a fur coat singing with him. They were, like, singing together. She was, like, sitting on a stool. It was, it's, like, very clear in my mind. Hello, esteemed audience members. This is Future Liz. I had to hop on because I need to explain to you the go- <laughs> the clip from the Jet Jackson episode Ghost Dance because it's extremely important. I found this to include in the show. Okay, so what happens is the Ghost Dance episode involves some kind of Halloween dance occurring presumably at the place where these children receive their schooling. Maybe not. Maybe it's some kind of town hall situation. I don't know. But guess what? Britney Spears, surprise, shows up to perform at this dance and asks Jet Jackson to be her D-Day naturally. You just saved my life. It's great to see you. Wow. See, I was reading fan mail on my website, and I got, like, 50 letters from this guy named JB who kept saying he was going to see me tonight because you said he was. So I had to come and check it out. So she starts to perform Baby One More Time, complete with the headset, two backup dancers, giant poster of the Baby One More Time promotional cover on stage in the background. Okay, so halfway through her performance, this skeleton ghost sweeps into the dance it interrupts britney's performance (laughs) 
Jet Jackson has to take care of it. It's some of the most, like, 90 CGI I've ever seen, but I'm sure it terrified me at the time. So Jet Jackson figures out that this, like, ghost is actually just a hologram, and whoever is running the projection gets caught. I can't tell what happens because there's a cut, and this is pirated on YouTube. So then a police officer brings everybody back, including Brittany, and then she performs sometimes. She goes on with the show. So essentially, I just cracked a very important code for my childhood that Britney Spears wasn't a Halloween episode of Disney Channel's show, hence why I love Britney, also Halloween. This is a true gem for anybody who's interested. The clip is called Britney Spears, Baby One More Time, plus sometimes the famous Jack Jackson TV rip, and it is most certainly a rip. Um, okay, back to the show. I want to check and see if Jet Jackson is on Disney Plus, which um, that's an amazing story, by the way. And like, those are how memories are made. But um, <laughs> um, so famous Jet Jackson uh, does not appear to be on Disney Plus. Dang, that's okay. It's on. I mean, I can attest that there is content on YouTube. Um, okay, so after his passing, his mother and sister created the Lee Thompson Young Foundation, um, which you can find at ltyfoundation.org. Uh, and their mission is to erase the stigma of living with mental illness, um, which is tremendously important. Um, so uh, that's nice that they were able to create something good out of such a tragedy. Yeah, I like um, that. And then also, um, Lee Thompson Young was a writer. Um, I learned that he wrote an episode of Jet Jackson, presumably when he was a teenager. Mm. So that is uh, kind of a cool little fun fact. Oh, I mm-hmm. love that. I really love this show. <laughs> Rewatch. In the famous Jet Jackson. Okay, thank you for reminding me like what the plot was, because I loved it so much, but clearly I don't remember. <laughs> All right. Um, Shall we move on to the next hottie on the docket? It's getting hotter in here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, All right. Drum roll, please. (laughs) Brad Renfro. (sighs) Okay. This picture of him, where did you get this? Google Images. Oh. Not your favorite or you do like it? No, it's. It's like the best picture of him that's ever existed. Yeah, I know. He looked mm, clean. Oh. Yeah, he just has so much collagen in his face. It's like <laughs> crazy. Brad Renfro was an American actor, made a name for himself in the 90s as a child actor, debuting um, in the 1994 movie The Client at age 11. Uh, not a born and bred actor. He was actually living in a trailer park with his grandma when the director of that film, uh, Joel Schumacher, wanted to cast a real tough kid. Uh, so he was picked to act in this movie. Hmm. Liz, why did you select Brad Renfro? Oh, Megan. Again, goes back to my childhood. Um, I will say, all these crushes were age appropriate when they were crushes because I was in elementary school. It is not me (laughs) as an adult woman having a crush on a 15-year-old actor. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. The... Oh, my God. I still can't. Okay. (sighs) Tom and Huck. I don't know if it was, like, a sleepover or being parked in front of the TV at somebody's house, and they were like, here, we have it on VHS. He was so hot because he was a bad boy! 
Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Brad Renfro are teaming up for twice the fun and twice the excitement. Hard to pour, hard to pour! What's pour? He was so <laughs> bad, getting in trouble. He was so cute. And I was like, oh my God, forget Tom. Even though Tom was JTT, yeah. <laughs> I was still... Though JTT is a close second, but he's just too squeaky. I really... Oh that's, my god. That's why we're good friends because you like the bad boy and I like the JTT. Oh man, what's JTT up to? Maybe you could like turn this around. Okay. Now maybe I'm getting this confused with another hottie, um Cameron Kirk Kirk Cameron. Because he got when he was on Growing Pains, he got religious and then he wanted to change his character and they were like, What the fuck? That was why they brought <laughs> Leo in. Um but JTT oh, I wanna say JTT also took a religious turn. Ooh, I'm not aware of that, but let's see. Well, I don't want to j'accuse. Oh, my God. He was in Pinocchio, which is, to this day, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather watch the whole movie on the Golden State Killer than fucking watch Pinocchio again. JTT was born in Bethlehem. <gasps> Isn't oh. that weird? Oh? Huh? Huh? Actually, no, it's not because, um... Amanda Seyfried is from Allentown. What if his parents still live there? Like, what if JTT is in Bethlehem? What if he's quarantining in Bethlehem? <laughs> oh, he's he's 38. What? Yeah. Well, Let's Meg, see. I guess we're, you know, we're too old for TikTok. Oh my gosh, he's a vegetarian. I would, we could just eat the same dinner. <laughs> um... <laughs> Brad Ren... I was going to call him Brad Renfro. Brad... <laughs> Brad Renfro. I know. Okay. Back on topic. Sorry about that. So, Brad Renfro would also appear in films throughout the 90s, like the aforementioned Tom and Huck, Sleepers, Apt Pupil, and Ghost World with Thora Birch. Oh. Um, I forgot about that. Um, his issues with substance abuse began not too long after uh, fame began. Um, so his first movie was in 1994, for context. He was arrested in 1998 at the mm. age of 15 for drug possession, uh, cocaine. Oh, um, possession of 15 for... Oh, all right. He was in and out of rehab several times by the age of 18... In 2001, um, he got an underage drinking, a DUI in 2005. Also in 2005, he was caught by an undercover cop trying to buy heroin. Um, so, like a, a lengthy struggle. Um, yeah. And then in 2008, January 15, 2008, um, he was found dead in his apartment from a heroin and morphine overdose. Brad Renfro was 25 years old. So, like, gosh, that is so young. And to think that... To think that he had been famous for over a decade, but also had at least a decade-long struggle with drugs and alcohol yeah. by that point. That's yeah. awful. Like, I mean, at least half his life. Like, yeah. or nearly half his life. That's That's awful. Now... When you added him to the list, I couldn't remember anything really about the details of his death, like the 
the where, the when, the why of it all. And then it dawned on me why I couldn't remember the details of his January 15th, 2008 death because it happened like a week before Heath Ledger died. So he was immediately overshadowed by the death of Heath Ledger. Dang. And then, so the Oscars are in what? Like the end of January, early February usually. Mm -hmm. So in that 2008 Oscar in memoriam segment, Heath Ledger was included, whose death was fresh. And then it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because Renfro was left out of that in memoriam. And it rubbed people the wrong way because technically both actors died of a drug overdose, but Ledger's was viewed as accidental, whereas Renfro was thought of as like a junkie. So, like, that's tacky. Was that confirmed why that was left out? No, that was um that was kind of hypothesized and then also um we'll we'll get to this but uh James Franco kind of said that that was his um, opinion. Okay. So, yeah, that's like I mean I guess it shows and I know we talked about this with Heath, but this was the beginning of you know, first of all, we call it the opioid epidemic, but really they only started calling it that when white kids started to die of overdoses because, you know, POC populations had been affected by heroin for 20 years before that but i digress um this was like the beginning of us starting to see that and i think it was definitely more shocking and less common whereas you know we've talked about this many an episode how many people we graduated from high school with who have overdosed yeah now i couldn't when i started researching him i couldn't um summon his face to my brain which is uh I can usually recall, like, like people from, like, Flavor of Love Season 2 in my head. So, like, the fact that I couldn't, um, like, think of what he looked like, I was disappointed in myself. But after studying photos, I guess for those of you who cannot picture Brad Renfro, I would, like, call him if James Franco was pretty. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is what Brad Renfro would look like. Less swarthy. So that's, that's what I thought. And then in my research, I was like... Well, apparently he and James Franco were actually close friends, which, whatever. I mean, the fact that they look similar has nothing to do with their friendship, but um, I just thought that was weird. Oh, um, Meg, how many times you go to bars and see packs of girls, and I'm like, you guys are all the same. Yeah. <laughs> which one are you? Continue. Um, James Franco has the name Brad tattooed on his shoulder, and when I say tattooed, I mean scarification. So someone, like, carved the name Brad into his shoulder. Um, He also produced a line of switchblades emblazoned with the words Brad Renfro forever. That's a tongue twister. Um, James Franco released a short film in 2011, three years after his death, also called Brad Renfro forever. And in it, he shares his dissatisfaction over the slight that he felt Brad's passing received by Hollywood. Oh, gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. So you were on the right track. So let's talk about this. He was a troubled boy who was plucked from oblivion and shot to fame. Were his substance abuse problems inevitable? I mean, it's kind of like, um, it's like the lottery curse. You know, (laughs) like, but what, but what's the socioeconomic, like, 
explanation for the lottery curse. Who plays the lottery? No offense to people we know that buy lottery tickets, but people who spend, like, a significant portion of their paycheck buying lottery tickets every single week. Usually, people of a lower socioeconomic status get roped into doing that. So when someone wins, you've had your, spent your whole life never having money, and then all of a sudden you have millions of dollars. That's not, you're not prepared for that. It's the same thing with, like, he was living with his grandmother. He was not, well, lower socioeconomic status, and being sought out to be famous and having no preparation, maybe not support, no like no one to prepare you for that. Yeah, it was definitely inevitable. So uh, BuzzFeed agrees with you. In 2018, <laughs> uh, 10 years after his death, they released this very large lengthy article about the rise and fall of 90s Brad Renfro. And they basically questioned the moral and ethical responsibility to care for at-risk child actors. Mm. Which is, you know, significant. It, they're exploited for their talent and hung out to dry. His whole story to me is horrific because if you think it's inevitable, then, you know, he was destined for this end and that's gross. Yeah, really. It And it's, I'm not sure, I haven't heard much about it, but like the whole, you know, the two Corys and Macaulay Culkin and I think there's kind of that generation of young child stars who were either like their parents exploited them to get there or their parents were really naively unaware of of what went on in the background Mm -hmm. and they got taken advantage of that way or they were like a Macaulay Culkin situation where you know the parents saw them as like a paycheck and put them in situations where they were vulnerable because of it I mean it's it's definitely fucked up yeah like the article talked about he's 11, 12, 13 years old, and he's the only child, because you are a child at that age, at, like, adult Hollywood parties. So are people treating him like a child at that party? Probably not. You're probably treating him, you know, incorrectly, honestly. So, and if he didn't have a foundational structure in his personal life by way of like roots family familial roots then i mean the writing's on the wall and that's awful yeah um so brad renfro had one son who was only one or two at the time of his death Mm. um in 2008 and the public at large actually didn't know about the son until after he died it came out that you know he left a child behind. Hmm. And I could not find anything on the son other than he was raised in Japan by his mother. Hmm. So, um, which at this point, he's uh, a teenager, probably around like 15 or 16. Hmm. So, yeah. That's a deep cut. Good research. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, last fun fact, Brad Renfro was roommates with Mark Foster from Foster the People. And their song "Downtown" is about his death. Hmm. I would, I wouldn't put them. For me, they're not like on the same plane in time because Foster the People rose to fame in like the two thousand teens, and Brad Renfro was like already passed by then. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let me look and see when Foster the People like hit it big. Yeah, Foster the People uh, was only formed in 2009, so 
uh, regardless mm. of when they hit big. It, you know, they didn't even exist when Brad Renfro was alive. Hmm. All right, last one here. Um, mm, you could probably make a lot of the same arguments for whom we're about to talk about that we just made for Brad Renfro. Drumroll, please. Dun, 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 dun. Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> you know, Meg, I, I actually think you picked this one. I did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe I did. So Liz and I have like a... <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Liz and I have... And maybe it was like subconscious that I placed him last. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to... Um. Anyway. So... Liz and I have a Google Doc where we just basically have a bulleted list of, like, 50 people who could, like, be topics for this show. We just highlight them in rainbow colors once we've covered them. It's cute. Anyway, he's he's on the list. And I think I added him on this list. Um, but I don't know why I added him because I didn't watch a single thing that he was in. And... But I think I just always thought he was so cute. Does he or does he not kind of resemble Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Yes, they have a. It's a strong GTT correlation for sure. I feel like my inner ten-year-old just has like a thing for like boys with the center part where their hair like <laughs> looks like that Nick Carter. Oh my god! I was just gonna say Nick Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he was so cute. Oh, my God. He was so cute in the 90s. Anyway, yes, I know exactly. It's, like, burned in my brain that, like, that, like, it could be anybody's face in the middle, but that, like, halo of hair. Yes, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> um. Oh, we should make an Instagram filter that's, like, 90s boy hair. <laughs> I'll get right on it. Uh, <laughs> we'll use Jonathan Brandis. Oh, he's so cute. He looks like a male Billie Eilish. Oh my gosh, you are 1,000% correct. <laughs> so yes. cute and freckly, yeah. <laughs> so, Jonathan Brandis was an American actor, um, a, beginning as a child actor in the 80s. He was on the soap opera One Life to Live, but became a teen heartthrob in the 90s with his role on the NBC series Sequest DSV. That was literally the name of the show, Sequest DSV. Apparently, it's like a Steven Spielberg brainchild. Like, I like I mentioned, I did not watch this, but, like, I knew who Jonathan Brandis was, even at the time. So, like, it must have been quite popular. Um, <clears throat> just to maybe sidebar a little bit on how popular it was, he was a huge teen heartthrob. Like, what are like teen beat kind of guy but um while on sequest dsb jonathan brandis received approximately four thousand fan letters per week and had to be escorted on and off the set because of throngs of gathering fans oh my gosh that's like um beaver status <laughs> yeah it is quite intense um on november 11th 2003 he was found hanged in his la apartment he was transported to Cedar sinai Medical Center, but died the next day from his injuries. Mm. And he was 27 years old. So we have a lot of younger gentlemen that we've talked about, 25, 27, 29. A lot of mental illness, substance abuse included in that category. And a lot of it because of, in, in the case of Jonathan Brandis especially, I would say career dissatisfaction. I think of those three, probably 
uh, Lee Thompson Young was the only one who like kind of made it successfully as an adult in his late twenties. Um, but no suicide note was left by Jonathan Brandis. So, um, his motive was kind of a mystery for a lot of people. However, after his passing, friends reported that he was depressed over his waning career. Mm. Um, he had a role in the 2002 film Hearts War, uh, which had Bruce Willis, Colin Farrell in it. So a pretty big named movie. Um, but his role was cut significantly in post-production. So and that was kind of like a, a, a kick to Jonathan Brandis. And what he had hoped that mm -hmm. this role would, you know, he hoped that this role would reinvigorate his career. During the height of his fame, Jonathan Brandis dated actress Tatiana Ali from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm. Um, I remember her being extremely famous around that early aughts era. Um, and they were like, a, uh, I mean, they were no Justin and Britney, do not get it twisted, but like... <laughs> She was like a singer actress person, so they were like a very cute couple together, a cute, popular teen couple. Um, just for shits and giggles, I checked into what she's up to now. She's married, she's a mom, and she's a steady lifetime and hallmark actress. Get it, Tatiana Ali. Yes, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, uh, this one. I don't want to call anyone's tragedy cut and dry, but, um, you know, this is a, a child actor who is probably the most famous of any of the ones that we have talked about uh, on this episode, mm -hmm. whose career um, quickly dropped off, and um, he had some mental health repercussions because of that, which, you know, to be fair... Um, a lot of people experience depression over career dissatisfiers and setbacks regardless of the industry they're in um but i uh, imagine that it would be tough going from a household name to a, a name that no one knew like mm -hmm. I, I guess I, I um would hypothesize that in the entertainment industry um you know everyone listening think of <laughs> Every time you've had a bad performance review or um, a disappointing day at work, uh, your desk job or whatever, um, you know, imagine if that was being a Hollywood heartthrob on the cover of magazines to, you know, getting your role significantly scaled back in uh, a Bruce Willis war film. So... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it just, a, yeah, it's a really good point. And I think it's also, you know, I used to be in a creative industry and while graphic design is not quite the same as acting, it's any kind of creative industry that you choose to go into it and try to make money, it is full of rejection for essentially like you, you can be really, really talented. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's really at the whim of like whoever's trying to pay you essentially. And I can imagine that growing up, in the industry and being famous. I mean, let's face it, like, as a kid, like, if you are successful, you're pretty much guaranteed to have that because there aren't that many child actors and they're usually hired for a purpose. But, like, if that gets built into your development and, like, your psyche and who you are, and then as you make it to adulthood, all of a sudden that's not happening anymore. That has to be such a total, like, you know, rocking your world. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That makes 
a whole lot of sense. I, I hadn't thought about it that way that when your brain is forming and solidifying and you are held in the highest regard by everyone, you know, when reality sets in, I imagine that that weight is heavier than a lot of other weights. Mm -hmm. So, wow. That's a shame. And you know what? That is another good example of Hollywood letting down or the industry, like, not looking out for these at-risk situations. Right. Like, I wonder, I mean, he obviously still had to be a part of SAG if he was, like, doing a movie. I wonder if SAG has... Like, what does their mental health plan look like over at SAG on the insurance that they get? That's actually a great question. You know, every industry has their issues and and concerns for the people that are in it, and, like, that's definitely one of them. Yeah. I mean, they do have... I don't know if SAG enforces them, but they do have, like, those child acting laws in California about, like, how long you can work for and, you know, who has to be around. I know in New York... One of my very good friends, lifelong friends, Broadway performer Rachel Brittenhart, follow her on Instagram for her Pilates classes. She knew lots of people, like Broadway people, and one was a girl who she was in. I don't want to name the show because I'm going to be wrong. I feel like it was one of the Broadway ones of Spring Awakening. But she, whatever, she was in some show. She was a Broadway actor, but she got paid more money and I guess had special training because there were kids in the production and she was someone who was supposed to be like handling the kids on top of that like they train like other cast members to like be responsible for them I mean I hope they do it well but they like compensate them for it so Broadway like duggers themselves and makes the older people (laughs) take care of the younger ones is that what you just said (laughs) and and there's payment involved but yes (laughs) Oh, oh, conversation, conversation. <laughs> like, they get paid extra. But, like, I don't know. I hope I hope they're not just, like, throwing money at them and, I don't know. I hope they're actually yeah. watching them. But, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, if I think about it, like, the situations that, I think that there are some parents who wouldn't want their adult children to experience what goes on in Hollywood let alone, like, their children, children. Like, just, honestly, just, like, the rejection and critique alone. Like... Yeah. You oh, to... I read I read Jessica Simpson's book. Yep. <laughs> What's it called? It's kind Open of book. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Open yeah. book, she exclaimed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's Yeah, sad. no, she, she talks about, um... Uh, she auditioned to be in the Mickey Mouse Club, and... Uh, didn't get it because of Brittany and Christina basically but like the um, harsh rejection she faced by casting um, uh, would be inappropriate for most nine-year-olds right like I don't know if this says anything about the industry but we did have a friend we went to high school with um, she's a little bit younger but she I think she's still a working actor but she was very talented and did like she started auditioning for things when I think she was in junior high school the issue was there weren't that many parts for kids because they had to have these restricted hours that follow these laws and it was really just kind of diff- more difficult for production so that's why they're more like you know when they make jokes about like oh like all these 20 year olds in Riverdale who like play high schoolers well it's because it's actually pretty hard to you know get them on your production and actually like run it in an ethical way which 
might be a good thing. Yeah. Well, um, I'm happy that we got to cover um, these gentlemen um, and their stories. A little more brevity to the to these stories than like our average episode, but um, these were still important stories to touch on. Amen. I amen, Sister Fran. I totally agree. Time to shout out some sources who aided in the research of this episode. People.com, TheFix.com, BuzzFeed News, and as always, Wikipedia. Want to let us know what you think about Lee, Brad, Jonathan, this podcast, or just want to let us know which celebrity death you can't get over? Email your feedback to hollyweirdpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at hollyweirdpodcast to get clues about future episodes and photos that go along with the stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hollyweird. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please join us next time when we talk about the club you know and love, the one that everyone's dying to get into. I hate that song, by the way. <laughs>